Welcome, everyone. This is Sasha Moving Mountains. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming David Dochas, founder and CEO of Helix. He envisioned Helix as an opportunity to provide his incredibly talented case competition-winning upperclassmen colleagues an opportunity to be paid for engaging with leading organizations and helping them solve real challenges while at university. In addition, he has hands-on experience participating in and winning national-level case competitions hosted by P&G, KPMG, Oliver Wyman, and United Airlines. To learn more, visit helixserve.com. Welcome to Moving Mountains, David. Hi, Sasha. It's a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Would you like to share with audiences a little bit about you and how Helix came into your life? Yeah, sure. So my name is David Botis. I'm a senior at the University of Michigan, uh, but I'm also a pretty passionate entrepreneur. Um, Helix, uh, HelixCases.com is actually our uh, website. We have a startup to serve case competitions and hackathons as recruiting challenges to students across several campuses across the U.S. So um, we have a whole student network and everything to advertise these challenges and all of that. But how it kind of came into you know, all of our lives is we participated in a lot of these challenges ourselves by you know, a lot of the top companies, and we weren't super satisfied with how they were run. Um, it wasn't a great experience for students, and so we decided, you know what, there's something that we can do about it. And uh, in the process, we discovered that um, we could also make it a lot cheaper and more accessible for clients as well. What were one or two things that you observed through your experience that benefited from the improvement that Helix delivers? Yeah, so how, how did I kind of learn? You're saying how did I kind of like learn from some experiences and apply that to Helix? Right. Yeah, so, you know, I think actually a pretty interesting experience that we learned from was our first pilot this spring. Um, so we we actually you know went through several iterations, several pivots before eventually setting on you know the recruiting competition market um, as a way to kind of get into that HR tech space um, that's so hot right now. And um, we we kind of were saying this spring, you know, we need to figure out what works, what doesn't, and you know what students are into. And there's no better way. We've asked students, we've polled, we've surveyed, we've interviewed. Um, but there's really no better way than to just put it into practice. And so we actually ended up running our first challenge and clocking our first revenue with a startup. Um, and uh, we actually you know, ran a challenge and we learned in the process um, pretty much all of the things that you, you would never know um, are going to go wrong. And um, you know, I would say that as a student entrepreneur, you don't have years of wisdom of understanding you know, that things will go wrong and you need to plan for things to go wrong. But I think that it's, uh, well, God is in it good that I uh, learned it now, right? 
acknowledging that we have to be flexible for change, whether it's in our own lives or in business. How have your coping mechanisms dealing with these changes evolved? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think something that always keeps me stable and steady is I'm a pretty avid cyclist. And so I would say that, you know, things do get stressful and it does get hot in the kitchen. I would say it's uniquely stressful for student entrepreneurs who, you know, are balancing a lot of different things on their plate. And, you know, you shouldn't uh, underestimate the, um, the, the amount of work it takes to learn how to live on your own, you know. So a lot of our team has had, you know, times where they've been, had a lot of time and a lot of, you know, stuff to give to Helix and a lot of times where they need to focus on other things. And so I think, I think it's exactly right that, you know, flexibility is kind of the name of the game here. Um, just as a student entrepreneur, I would say as an entrepreneur in general, and really learning how to calmly roll with the punches um, and always see the silver lining is, I would say, pretty important, right? Because you're always going to be faced, whether it's an up or a down, you need to be able to capitalize on that. So I'm familiar with business case competitions from my own journey. For those who aren't familiar, how would you define a business case? Sure, certainly. So a business case is kind of a um, description of a certain business problem. It's usually, I would say, probably somewhere between 5 to 30 pages, depending on who's publishing the case. Um, and, you know, I think that, you know, it basically describes a business situation, poses the reader with a certain problem that the target of the case is facing, which in our case, for Helix cases, is our client's real problems. And then we're able to, you know, pose those to a collection of students who are looking to work with our client anyways. And we strongly believe, um, especially considering the direct feedback we were hearing when we went to HR Tech in Las Vegas just last week, was that, you know, nothing is a better way to assess um, candidates than challenging them to real problems. Um, you get real results out of it that your company can actually repurpose. It's about 200 to 300 hours of actual labor uh, breaking down the problem. And hey, you know, whoever is the best at solving this real problem that your company is actually struggling with will likely be a great asset to your firm in the future. Because Helix encourages for participants to get paid for helping these businesses. Is it the businesses that pay these prospective students or does the payment come from Helix? Certainly. I mean, in either way that you, you know, dice it, I suppose that it is um, in the end coming from the client. It's just whether or not it's baked into the project fee. As of right now, I suppose, you know, it is baked into the project fee. I think that, you know, the, the stance on that is the fact that we want clients who are dealing with us to kind of not experience any kinds of hidden fees um, or any kind of surprises in the purchasing process. So um, as of right now, it does kind of, you know, technically, quote unquote, is paid by Helix. Um, but, you know, that is coming from our project revenues. So, Given the changes due to the pandemic in the last year, have the number of business case competitions gone up virtually? Or were there some pre-existing events that were phased out within the United States? So I've, if I were to kind of like visualize this as a graph, right, I would say that the amount of case competition since I would say about um, 
even really the year 2000 or even before. I mean, depending on how far back you want to track the history of how case competitions have kind of come into academia, I would say that, you know, it started um, way back uh, when HBS was releasing large cases that helped, you know, professors teach their classes and, you know, helped businesses, um, you know, recruit their people as well as um, kind of upskill their people. And, you know, over the course uh, of time, this has kind of moved over to third-party sources um, that are, you know, now our competitors. And so these third-party providers, they typically have offices abroad. Um, they have, you know, around 50, 60 people on staff who all operate these competitions essentially manually. Um, the whole difference and the reason why we're able to provide a 10 times discount to our clients is because we are moving, you know, everything over to a SaaS model. This means that we would be able to keep our actual headcount low, which, you know, keeps our organizational costs low and by extension, um, the prices to clients low as well. Um, so, yeah, it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty interesting thing to work on. But it's a very exciting concept because recruiting appears to be a significant pillar that allows the Helix Network to continue growing. How many ambassadors do you have to date, and how can interested students get on the list? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we do have a form to apply. Um, we, we handle our ambassador um, you know, applications and kind of taking on new waves of ambassadors, generally at the start of the semester. Not necessarily because we operate on a semester basis. We typically operate and sell with our clients on whatever their you know, as-needed basis is. But we feel that for students, um, starting their jobs with Helix at the beginning of the semester helps it kind of become a part of their routine instead of being an add-on later. Um, so I would encourage any students that you know, end up hearing this message to go over to helixserve.com S-E-R-V.com, and there you're going to be able to kind of go to the For Students tab and navigate your way over to our ambassador application, which should put you in our pipeline. You guys also focus on marketing strategy, marketing research. What has been your experience with getting the Helix brand in the eyes of the right audiences? Yeah, well, that's probably been, you know, the most interesting journey of all, and I've got to, you know, keep my lips somewhat tight because at a certain point, um, it's a pretty, it's a lot of pretty unique learnings coming from, you know, how to make connections as a student entrepreneur. But as I mentioned yesterday, um, it's not the first thing I did, so I wouldn't encourage other student entrepreneurs to do this if it's the first way that you're getting your message out there. But um, I certainly believe that based on my experience of attending HR Tech in Vegas, that it's a pretty great experience to learn, you know, what's hot in the industry right now. It helps you craft your sales messaging. You get to talk and meet other people, which is oftentimes not an experience that you have without having a working profession that forces you to make those connections. So in a way, it's, you know, it's a pretty unique challenge to make those business connections. But if you are if you're looking creatively, I would say that you're going to be able to find fairly readily what 2021's cold calling equivalent is because I'll tell you what, cold calling does not work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they've, they've basically blocked off all, all cold call numbers. They've completely separated that whole section of call center 
off from anything related to their business. It's completely impossible now. So you've got to find new ways, and that's kind of what we did. Returning to the business case competitions, Helix is able to lure in very exceptional institutions and members of those institutions, whether they could be from investment management firms, startup companies, for example, Dell, Ernest & Young, Bain. Are yep. these judges chosen by Helix, or are these judges who also apply to participate in the Helix network? So as of right now, we are actually pulling our judges generally from people that we speak to about our business. We find that because of the judging experience, we've gotten pretty much glowing reviews from every competition that we've run and had guest judges on for. They say it's a generally fun experience. They say that once you've judged one, you get you know, quicker and better. So it's just you know, kind of a flow state process. And um, so I would say that it's, while it is a pretty awesome experience, and I would say it, there's no better sales tool in our arsenal than showing people directly firsthand what students can do. But as of right now, we're pulling that um, you know, from our mentors and we're keeping it kind of tight. We want to make sure that pretty much um, students are hearing trusted voices, you know, people who we can vouch for the validity of their feedback towards their professional development. And we think that that's a huge asset to our students that we want to protect. So. Because you're so successful to date thus far, and you're also the founder and CEO of Helix, how are you able to balance the relationship but trusting your own judgment, but also trusting the new people that you bring on board to help you represent the Helix management. Yeah, yeah. You know, I actually, it's funny enough, I think that it's a pretty valuable experience to be working with students as an entrepreneur working on recruiting students. Because I find that every day in working with my co-founders and, you know, teammates that oftentimes that it's, it provides insights that when I went to Vegas and I was talking to HR people who haven't talked to a student since they were a student, they have no idea where the market has gone for these people, right? And so in a way, I find that in working with our teammates and discovering what works and what doesn't, we kind of come up with some pretty unique insights that, um, <laughs> once again, uh, it's it's kind of our competitive advantage. So I'll uh, I'll stay somewhat tight-lipped. I'll give perhaps one example, which is um, that example that I gave about you know starting off the semester right, making sure that people come on when other things are starting up in their life. Um, I guess that this is a pretty generalist thing. Is that in HR tech right now, it's very hot um, to apply the concept of consumer experience mapping to employee experience mapping. Um, I would encourage any viewers to look into that a little bit more, but we believe that kind of by applying that concept and that framework um, to, the, to our way of work, we actually improve our product for clients. At the moment, with the nature of the business cases, do you represent a certain type of industries out there? Or are you welcoming other industries that you haven't worked with? Yeah, certainly. So we're working with all industries. We're industry agnostic, um, but we are focusing on business and tech students. So challenges could be focused on uh, financials, um, competitions I've seen before uh, and participated in before. Um, once again, not super satisfied, but Citibank actually ran a M&A um, competition my freshman year that I participated in, 
And it seemed like a very valid way to test for, you know, financial modeling skills, which is going to be what you're using. Um, so I would say that we're pretty much industry agnostic, but some exciting things coming up is, um, you know, potential for this company that I really enjoy. I'm a huge advocate for called Caracorder. They're a company that created this keyboard that allows you to type at 300 words per minute. They're growing at a pretty steady clip, and so they're looking for software engineers, and they're coming to us for a hackathon. Um, we're also running a case competition in parallel. We're sending Caracorder test units potentially out to some of our partnered campuses, getting videos of students interacting with the product. Um, we're cutting together a video ad out of that and also giving him UX insights. So it's, it's a pretty... Um, when you realize the flexibility that our ambassador's physical presence on these campuses provides, um, especially post-COVID, um, as you were kind of bringing up before, a lot of events have moved, you know, virtual, have moved to be less touch. But at the same time, there's that heat around employee experience mapping. And it's not a very great employee experience to do everything about your onboarding virtually. Um, so I definitely see some... Um, some angles there. Touching upon time management for any student participating in a business case competition, what is the amount of investment they're making? Is it a matter of weeks? Is it a matter of months? No. So it, with other competitors, um, when we were running in our own challenges, one of the things that we actually discovered was the fact that oftentimes these challenges were run over the course of many months. They had no traditional um, you know, marketing apparatus. So bringing people to the page generally gets very expensive through traditional marketing means. And then it also completely sheds pretty much after that competition is done. So you're not accruing any kind of returning customer benefits because oftentimes you don't get a returning customer. Um, with Helix, we host all of our competitions on one place. This means that when students come to our page, they are coming to our page not just to register for the event like it is with many other competitions, but also to view all the materials for the event, whether those be supplementary materials. We also have workshops, which our competitors don't even run any kinds of workshops, but those are also available on a very information-dense layout. Further, we also provide you know, some integrated judging functionality. And since everything is happening on this one platform, we're able to bring people continuously back looking for new challenges, looking for new ways to make money, and we're continuing, you know, every, every week or every day, <laughs> we're continuing to improve our student offering. So we're looking for ways to get students start meeting recruiters on a fairly regular basis. Um, so that's an idea that we're working on right now. So in terms of recruiting, is the prerequisite that the student has to be part of some business school out there affiliated with a college or university, or could I be a science major but I want to participate in a business case competition? So as long as you are a current university student, you are allowed to participate. Um, we don't even put bars on um, you know, people participating that might have a um, major that is different than perhaps the employer's suggested target major, because we feel very, very strongly that um, the strength of our, our tool in assessing candidates is the fact that it's, it's testing on real skills that will actually be used in the job. So if we have a business case competition for, say, Caracorder, the keyboard company, and we're investigating, hey, you know, what would make people buy more Caracorder keyboards? 
you know, I'm not going to expose the real prompt. Uh, but say that's just the general prompt. Students have a different major. They're able to actually be tested on the same uh, criteria as somebody who has a business major. So while that business major may be at an advantage in you know, their own analysis of the situation, um, we've actually seen just in our last competition, we had a team of engineers. It was a business case competition. We had a team of engineers from Iowa State. They went by the team name, the Cyclone Engineers, and they actually secured second place, which is a pretty respectable position in a business case from an engineering background. And, you know, I would say that when the judges were evaluating them, they basically were able to understand, hey, you know, while they are suggesting a lot more features and strategies that you might expect out of an engineer, they were mostly focused around product design, which is pretty funny. Um, but, you know, it, it really is unique in that way that you're able to say, okay, yes, they're engineers, but beyond just what's on paper, when I challenge them to a real problem, are they applying that engineering mindset to the business problem? Are they able to do that? Because then that's unique. That's something I might actually want more than just a regular business major. Now that you are an uh, entrepreneur yourself, before you became one officially, what did you think about entrepreneurship and what is the actual reality now that you're living in? Yeah, yeah. So I would say... Um, I've, I've always been passionate about entrepreneurship. Um, I think that when I think back to uh, there was a time in elementary school where um, there's this uh, one girl who was drawing comics. I had asked her, could I photocopy these, staple them, and then I would trade them with other kids who had um, you know, these things called fooey erasers or silly bands. They were really hot in the early 2000s. <laughs> um, and essentially, or in the late 2000s, I suppose. Um, but essentially, uh, some parents would get their kids a lot of these, you know, knickknacks, and some kids would get none of them. So the kids who had plenty of them would be more than willing to trade one for a comic, whereas the kids who had none would be more than willing to pay me, you know, a quarter for a silly band. And so entrepreneurship, I guess, in a way, has kind of always been in my blood. It's always been something that excites me. Um, and I think that, you know, you brought up an interesting point in saying, you know, well, what is the reality? What is the reality of today versus what that dream was when I was, you know, whatever it might be, eight. <laughs> um, so I guess that in reality, you realize that, you know, it's not, um, it's not so easy as being that one, that one person on the playground who's able to go up to another person and make one transaction happen. In, in modern business and in the modern world, there have been so many, um, there's been so much centralization of business towards massive uh, companies that run massive, that sell you know, massive products that accomplish most needs. But the problem is, is that they remain very inagile, right? Um, and so in a way, I find that your, you know, your reality as an entrepreneur is basically at that intersection, that tug and pull between, you know, saying, okay, how can I bring other people who have resources, money, experience, um, connections, how do I bring them into this problem, make them feel like an owner of the problem, make them feel like they're helping me solve this problem so that we can incorporate their resources so that we have an arsenal that's 
capable of going up against a larger company. I think that you know what that kind of comes down to is oftentimes as an entrepreneur, you're spending a hell of a lot more time working with people and working on the minutia of a social interaction than you are on you know buying and selling comics and foo erasers. So it's, it's a different world. I would say that I, I've learned to kind of love and appreciate it, though, in the way that each time that I end up going and talking to somebody and I get a, hey, not so great, you know, go back to the drawing board and impress me, I, I find that in a way I do go back and improve it, right? I, I do end up with a better product. The silver lining of the fact that, you know, your job is at that intersection, the silver lining, I suppose, is the fact that it really does push you to be the best that you can be. Now, with the life that you're living, David, is there anyone who keeps you grounded with all of this fun madness taking place in your life? Yeah, yeah. Well, I would like to give, um, man, I would like to give a lot of shout-outs, but um, I think that one person that I would like to just give a shout-out to and always give appreciation to is Calvin McIntyre, who had, you know, signed on um, to help me from, you know, the start when things were a lot slower, a lot less professional. Um, you know, I would say that if our output before was about two a week, now it's about 400. Um, so things have certainly changed a lot from the beginning, but I wouldn't have made it through the beginning without his support. Um, he he was a longtime friend of mine. We've known each other for now close to 10 years uh, playing Dungeons and Dragons, running cross country together. So I would say that um, he, he always has earned both my respect as a friend, as a business partner, whatever you want to say, but he's been a pretty stoic, steady rock. And as we start to wrap things up, what new initiatives should people keep an eye out on for the next three to six months? Yeah, so I would say that over um, this uh, next, I guess over this month, um, you should be looking out. Uh, we might be having a collaboration with Caracorder, which is that company that uh, allows you to type at 300 words per minute. It's a very cool uh very cool company, very cool opportunity that we can get students, you know, physical hands-on product of the client, which I think is going to be really awesome for students and businesses to just see how that works. Um, beyond that, I would say be looking out for more challenges in the future. And further, I would say that we're working on several student engagement projects right now that you know, will help provide an even better recruiting experience to students. So um, students, if you have ideas, <laughs> Uh, send them to david at helixserve.com. Otherwise, stay tuned, and uh, we'll be bringing you more wonderful experiences in the future. Any businesses or students can uh, reach out to me on that email line uh, or over LinkedIn. I'm active on both, and uh, I can you know, field requests from either students, business contacts. Um, very interested to even discuss with business contacts and give them you know, perhaps a little bit of a free consult on um, if they're approaching recruiting but maybe don't need, um, you know, blown out Helix services yet, maybe a smaller firm but want kind of a little bit of insight, I'd be happy to book 30 minutes and uh, help out wherever I can. David, I appreciate you for sharing your wisdom on moving mountains today. Thank you. Thank you so much.